0: The reading, the reading from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up. And go into the city, and you will be taught what you must do. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Now I'm going to ask you to stand for gospel reading, but it is a long gospel reading, so if you prefer to sit, feel free. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say that, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Jesus would glo- by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, "Follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Pray Praise you, O Christ. Lord God, we thank you for your living word, and we pray that it might come alive for us again this morning. Amen. 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 I'm just going to turn this over, so if I know where I am when I finish my sermon, otherwise we should all get lost. The first reading from Acts, um, chapter 9 was about the dramatic conversion of Saul. Conversion doesn't always happen in the dramatic way that it happened to him. If I was blinded by a light and knocked off my horse, I may not be best pleased or open to a discussion with the Almighty. On the other hand, if I, like Saul, who became Paul, had been roaming around threatening people and murdering them, It might be an incident like that which would bring me to my senses. God works with us all in different ways. Paul was stopped, literally stopped in his tracks. Peter was wrestled with over a number of years. Mary Magdalene was forgiven and given a new start in life. We may long for the dramatic at times but God who created us, knows us as individuals and deals with us individually and personally. Saul is knocked off his horse and left blinded in a dramatic encounter with God. The men traveling with him were astounded. The interaction between God or Jesus and Saul in this passage is head on. A verse asks Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul's response is, who are you, Lord? Saul is literally stopped in his tracks as he goes about his work of pursuing and persecuting followers of the way. And in that dramatic confrontation, Saul recognised that he was powerless and had been outmanoeuvred. Someone greater than him was in charge of things. And the response comes from Saul, and the response comes from God, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Saul, who would become Paul, must be one of the great early leaders of the church, and his conversion came through a dramatic experience in which he knew he was encountering a power that was more powerful than him. Human power left to its own devices can be egotistical and destructive. It can be damaging and catastrophic. But power which is harnessed, power which recognises where it stands before God, can be a power for good and power that can change the course of history. This encounter that Saul had with Jesus on the road to Damascus in the New Testament reminds me of the encounter that Moses had with God in the desert in the Old Testament when he suddenly and unexpectedly encountered the burning bush while tending the sheep in the wilderness. You can read all about it in Exodus chapter three. Moses too was going about his everyday business, very different business to that of Saul And he suddenly found himself confronted by the living God. Now Moses wasn't a Saul or a Paul. Moses was very hesitant about what he was being asked to do, but he asked a similar question. He asked, who are you, Lord? And the response came, I am who I am. Both Saul and Moses had significant damaging personal history. But that didn't stand in the way of God being present to them, turning them around and channeling them with their significant leadership skills into positive and historically life-changing leaders. There are people in our society today who have been abused by those in power. There are people all over the world are being persecuted because they are known to be Christians. And while it may seem as though there is no restraint on such abuses and while we may feel powerless in the face of persecution, there is a justice which is beyond human justice. There is still an accountability. God is fully engaged in our human life and whether in this world or the next, there is no escape in the justice which is god 's alone. a justice befit, a justice before which we all stand alongside Saul and Moses, and ask, "Who are you, Lord? A holiness before which we find ourselves on our knees when power is abused and used wrongly, it doesn 't just affect the people who are being persecuted or violated, it also impacts on God who asks, why are you persecuting me? Wonderful things were happening in the early church, but neither Jesus' crucifixion nor his resurrection were an end to the early Christians being pursued and assaulted. They had been given the power of this Holy Spirit and they very much needed it because life was tough. As rumours spread about people being hunted down, taken away bound, and some of them, like Stephen, stoned to death. It was a dangerous and treacherous time if you believed in Jesus and were brave enough to want to see things change. It is often a dangerous and treacherous time if you believe in Jesus and want to see things change. Saul who became Paul was born into a devout Jewish family in the city of Tarsus in Turkey, but he got a lot of his education in Jerusalem. In Philippians chapter three, he describes himself as being of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He was well-educated, brave, focused, and a force to be reckoned with. A radical theologian who was passionate about what he believed, he lived it, and he took all the associated risks, and time after time got into trouble with the authorities, both before and after his conversion on the Damascus road. Saul, who became poor, was a man who travelled, a man on a mission, a man who persecuted and killed Christians in his early years. There are many big personalities in our world today, strong men and women, who campaign for what they believe to be right. Saul wouldn't have been the only one interested in persecuting the newly forming church he was well connected and in touch with people in power he had letters from the high priest which permitted him to go to the synagogues in damascus so that he could seek out out any new believers of the way and take them bound to jerusalem i don't anticipate that paul would have been an easy man to live with even following his conversion. But as time passed, we discovered that he was loved. He was much loved. What did it take for that early Christian church to accept and trust a man like that? For those Christians came to love him. Well, it took another man by the name of Ananias, and you can read more about him further on in the chapter 9 of Acts. And God speaks to him too, not in a dramatic way, as it happened for Saul, but in a private, personal way. Calling him to go to this Saul, the man who had been killing followers of the way, the man who had been left blinded, bruised and broken by his encounter with God. Ananias was called to go to him and speak God's word of peace to him. That also took tremendous courage. We read further on in chapter 9 that Ananias too questioned God. Who wouldn't? But then he went and he greeted Saul with the words, Brother Saul. That required a turning around on the part of Ananias and a great deal of faith and courage. Some people may appear difficult, even dangerous. For us to reach but no one is too hard for God to reach. Following his dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus, Saul's life was changed completely. He became as radical in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ as he had been in persecuting and killing those who had been following the way. He himself was persecuted Imprisoned several times, called up before the various councils that he had been a part of in his early life, he had a reputation and he exploited it for the benefit of the gospel. He was finally held under house arrest in Rome, and that is where he died i don 't know whether you listened to Easter from King's College, Cambridge, but if you did, you may remember that they sang the piece from Stainer's crucifixion, God so loved the world. The way the piece finished spoke volumes about the love of God with the repetition of the words God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is the power of God channelled in love to a lost and broken world. It isn't egotistical or power crazed. It's a love which is humble and compassionate, which gives its best for the sake of others. That is the love of God, which is life-changing, which changes us just as it changed Paul and Peter, that the world might know it is loved. Its people, the world's people, are loved by God. Paul was a leader of God's people at a time of tremendous change in faith, society and culture. We too live in a time of immense change within the Church of England as well as in our own communities, country and world. And we need leaders like Paul who are passionate and prophetic People who are aware of who they are before God. People inspired by the Holy Spirit. People who are driven by the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.